Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, January 14th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined on a Thursday, fine Thursday by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello to the people. What's going on, everybody? Mike, we, are, we aren't batting lead off. We aren't batting cleanup on this podcast anymore. Usually it's just us two, but we got some heavy hitters joining us today. We got our colleagues. We got our preps gurus, Rick Cantu, Thomas Jones. Thomas, welcome back. This is your second time on the podcast, Rick. Welcome. How are you guys doing today? Good. I, I don't know about a hitter. I'm, I'm heavy. I'll give you that. I don't know about the hitter. <laughs> you're heavy, but you're my brother. <laughs> All right. We are here to talk about the end of the high school football season. Um, the UIL season will wrap up on Saturday evening. There are four state championship games um, on the docket today uh, this weekend. And since two of those games involved local teams that Thomas and Rick are very familiar with, um, we asked them to come, you know, give us some wisdom, give us some guidance, help us uh, get to know Cedar Park, get to know Westlake. And obviously those two games that Westlake and Cedar Park are playing in also involve a lot of recruits that Texas fans may be involved with. So this is kind of a merged podcast. We got uh, the preps guys, we got the Longhorn guys, and we're just going to see what happens. So the first game that we were going to talk about at AT&T Stadium, Cedar Park, Denton Ryan, Friday at 7 p.m., this is a Class 5A Division I championship game. Cedar Park is 13-0. Denton Ryan is 14-0. So someone has to go undefeated. Someone has to get that one loss. Uh, Thomas, I'm going to start with you. Um, give me one reason to believe in the Timberwolves. Uh, the Timberwolves are in my backyard. I'm a Cedar Park resident. Mike is a Cedar Park graduate. So obviously you know, we're, a Cedar Park, we're a Cedar Park pack podcast here. But give us a reason to believe in the Timberwolves. Oh, I'll, I'll give you like 54 reasons because that's about what Cedar Park scores a game. They're the best offense in the Austin area. That includes Westlake that's going to play in the 6A D1 title game. Uh, I think they'll be the best offense that Denton Ryan has seen this year. Uh, Ryan is a tremendous defense, loaded with next-level talent, as, as Mike will tell you about. Um, but Ryder Hernandez is a three-year starter for Cedar Park at quarterback. They have the best receiving core in the Austin area. Uh, and, and they still have a good defense. I mean, they haven't earned that black rain defense moniker for nothing. They play defense. They score a lot. And, Rick, we'll, we'll flip over to you. As Thomas you know, alluded to, this Denton Ryan team is stacked with D1 talent on its defense. So we'll talk to Mike about that in a second. Um, who are Cedar Park's big names, and why is our guy Ryder Hernandez not getting more love when it comes to recruiting? Ryder Hernandez hasn't gotten any love whatsoever, and I think it's probably because he's shorter than I am. But uh, I think he's either 5'10". He might stretch 5'11", but I doubt it. Um, I think part of the reason is because he's such a, a great baseball player that a lot of teams may have feared all along that his true love is baseball and he's going to you know, play at the next level you know, at, at Texas State. I think that's the main reason, but uh, I don't, if he were 6'3", Danny, I think he'd be playing somewhere, somewhere. I don't know where he's that good. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got better than decent arm. He scrambles very well. That's part of the makeup of his game is he, he likes to scramble because he can't see over the defensive front four. Uh, so he likes to run on the run. He likes to pass on the run, I mean, and he's got three receivers that are they're really above par, and uh, he'll utilize them. And, you know, like, like 
like TJ said, you know, 54 points a game that speaks for itself. And you got to remember a few weeks ago, they beat Manville. You know, Manville was a team that a lot of state observers thought would, would handle Cedar Park, and it was the other way around. Now, this Cedar Park traditionally is, is a school that, you know, they're not, they don't not produce talent. I mean, you have people like, you know, Spencer Drango, uh, Nate Grimm, their quarterback a couple years ago, was a D1, D1 talent. So, I mean, they do produce some D1 athletes. But is this one of those cases where, you know, they may not have a bunch of D1 athletes, but as a team and as a, you know, co- they're well coached uh, with Carl Absec and just as a team, they just, they just click and they don't need those big names? That's a good point, Danny. Um, they don't have big names who are going to a lot of places. Um, the coach's son is named Gunnar Absek. He's a wide receiver. He's going to Permian Basin next year, and that's about as good as it gets. Their best receiver in a lot of the opinions of many is um, Josh Cameron. And um, he said yesterday his only uh, offer was from Baylor, but he, I think that might be a, a walk-on offer and not a – you know, it may be preferred, but they don't have the, they've got the parts where, you know, it's 11 for one instead of one for 11. Um, and they, they do play well. And, and you mentioned the coach, Carl Absek, uh, ever since he took that job, he's been doing nothing but win. Yeah. And, and really to, um, to coach Carl Absek's credit, as you alluded to Danny, Cedar Park was known for years. And Mike will tell you this, Run the ball, play defense. I mean, they yeah. have offensive linemen playing the NFL. They have offensive linemen play power five level. But now they throw it all over the field. I mean, they've really adapted to the times, adapted to the rule changes. I mean, they're a pass-happy team, and they're one of the best in the state at it. And remember, they have linemen, too. Luke Williams, who, who I believe is an FBS-level player, is, you know, he's getting offers from, like, the Abilene Christian type of level. Uh, but he, he, in my opinion, he's better than that. They have talent. So I guess Brian Hogan is not walking through that door anytime soon. Um, huh. Mike, let's let's flip it over to Denton Ryan. Um, Texas fans obviously know Jatavian Sanders. I mean, if you would have a Twitter account and you are interested in high school football, you are, you know who Jatavian Sanders is. Billy Bowman's also on this Denton Ryan team, a former Texas commit who signed with Oklahoma. Um, are those the only two names that Texas fans should be interested in this week? And are there a couple other guys on this uh, Denton Ryan? I believe that the Raiders that uh, Texas fans should be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I mean, in terms of FBS recruiting talent, it doesn't get much better than Denton Ryan defense. Five of their 11 starters hold offers from the University of Texas. That includes Jatavion and Billy, uh, but also juniors and Bear Alexander, a defensive tackle, a cornerback, Austin Jordan. And then they have a sophomore inside linebacker named Anthony Hill, that's supposed to be a really good player. It'll be interesting to see kind of how he stacks up in this big of a game with Cedar Park spreading it around. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're a stacked defense. They're as talented as it gets in the high school level, and uh, they're absolutely geared up to play this game. They, they fell last year in the state championship uh, to Alvin Shadow Creek, which is now 6A. So they kind of feel like this one is theirs to lose. They've kind of banked on this, this game the whole year. So it'll be a style clash. I mean, Cedar Park is absolutely an offensive team, which is – feels weird talking about a Cedar Park team where the offense is kind of where it goes. And Denton Ryan is absolutely a defensive team. So it'll be kind of best on best, and, and it'll be a great matchup, I think, for all the fans to watch. All right, let's uh, move to Saturday. We got another local team, Westlake High School, a school that needs no introduction. South Lake Carroll, a school that needs no introduction from the VFW area. 
Westlake's 13-0. South Lake Carolina's 12-1. This is a 6A Division I championship game. It'll be at 7 o'clock on Saturday. Um, one of you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe that this game was supposed to be played anyway this season, but they had to cancel it because of um, you know some COVID issues. So it's kind of nice that this ended up on the schedule anyway. Um, if you're paying attention at all to this uh, you know high school football news, you know that Westlake is coached by Todd Dodge. Um, his son Riley Dodge is the head coach at, uh, at, at South Lake Carroll. So this is kind of a fun little family rivalry. I, I saw uh, – Miss, Mrs. Dodge on a couple of TV stations. She's kind of the star of the family getting asked uh, who she's rooting for. So that's kind of a cool wrinkle. But on the field, Rick, give me one reason that we should believe in the Chaps who you know, know a thing or two about a state championship run. Boy, um, I think you have to start from the top. Cade Klubnik is a junior, and already he's seen interest from the likes of Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Texas. Uh, he, he's a really heady quarterback. He didn't play his best game last week, but he was Johnny on the spot with the last play of the game to get that touchdown with a minute and a half to go to give him the lead. He's been their leader since day one. He doesn't make mistakes. He's got about 35 touchdowns, maybe one or two interceptions. Uh, he's tall. He's rangy. And, he, and he's blessed with a lot of good weapons. Uh, they've got two above-average running backs, Gray Neckford is, is, and uh, Zane Miners are really good running backs. They got maybe the best offensive line in Central Texas. I think TJ will vouch for that. Um, and, you know, they got the pedigree. They won last year. They, 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 they'll go into any game not fearing anybody. If anything, they think other teams should fear them. Um, it may not be the case this week. I think it's a toss-up game with South Lake, but – you know, with the Dodge Bowl and everything, uh, I think it could come down to the fourth quarter and whether the real strength of the team, which is the defense, can rise to the occasion again. Yeah, TJ, I want to ask you in a second about Cade. Um, but could you talk a little bit about that defense that Rick just alluded to? Uh, Tony Salazar, their defensive coordinator, he's been there D.C. for a while. I don't know why he hasn't got a head coaching job yet. I guess maybe he's just waiting for the, the right gig to come available. But what, what can you tell me about this Westlake defense? Well, that right gig may uh, may not have to leave his current field house to get that right gig in a, a few years, but that, that's another story. Um, the defense is, you know, they do have next-level talent. Michael Taffy, a cornerback, is going to go to Rice. Um, Nick Martin – or is it – what's his – what's Morris. the linebacker? Nick Morris. Nick Morris. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Nick Morris is a tremendous linebacker who moved in from Connecticut in the offseason He's going to Duke, so there is big-time talent there, but they play so well as a team. So They're so deep up front. They rotate guys of the defensive line. There's never a drop-off. Their inside backers are so active. They both excel. Uh, Salazar likes to blitz. They're blitz-heavy defense. The linebackers excel at it. They have the deepest secondary in the area. Um, as a group, it's the best Westlake defense team in my 20 years of watching Westlake and there have been some good defenses. The funny thing about that TJ is you know they won state last year with a defense that was exceptional and they lost a lot of really good players that I remember thinking there's no way this defense is going to be as good as last year because they lost so many and they've regrouped and I think like you said this this defense might even be better than last year. Uh, yeah, I agree. TJ, as you just spoke about, you've been around this Westlake program for a long time through your various roles uh, 
with, with the statesman. Um, Kate Klubnik, where does he stack up among the, you know, Chaparral quarterbacks? Because obviously, you know, you have your Drew Brees, you have Nick Foles, you have your Sam Ellinger, um, Jordan Seaver a couple years ago was a pretty good quarterback. They had some ridiculous run for a long time with all their quarterbacks going going D1 or at least, you know, getting, um, you know, going on to play quarterback in college. Where does Kate kind of stack up? On Does he belong in that same conversation as it maybe a year too early to put him in with Sam and, Nick and obviously Drew and everything he's accomplished. Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, Westlake over the last 30 years, I think they've only had one or maybe two quarterbacks that have not gone to play college football. I mean, it's a tremendous run. Um, And you have that elite tier of Drew Brees, Nick Foles, and Sam Ellinger. Now, can Cade join them? I mean, I think he's on his way. I mean, junior, he's going to get better. From this year, and that's a scary thought. Um, if he went state, I think you would have to put Kate Klubnik in that conversation. He's kind of a different quarterback. He's not a pocket passer like Nick and Brewer. He's not really a dual threat like Sam. You know, Sam had a lot of designed runs, and he doesn't weigh 215 pounds like Sam did in high school. Kate is just, in my opinion, he is an excellent passer with great mobility. Now, they don't design runs for him that often. He hasn't had 10 carries in a single game this year. I don't think he's cracked 100 yards rushing this year. But he can move. He can throw on the run. He's a long, angular kid. I mean, really, he reminds me of Chad Schrader, who starred at quarterback for Westlake almost 20 years ago. Except he doesn't run more, and he may be more accurate, and he has a bigger arm. Quarterback. Now, he will not be the only good quarterback um... At, at AT&T Stadium on Saturday night. Um, some guy Texas fans may have heard of, uh, Quinn Ewers, will be the South Lake, quarter, South Lake Carroll quarterback. I do believe um, I saw a, a tweet that inferred that uh, Quinn is the number one um, quarterback recruit for this 2022 recruiting cycle, and Cade is either number two or number three. So, um, Mike, could this be an all-time Texas high school football quarterback battle? How often do you get to see a game where two, you know, four or five-star quarterbacks are going at each other on the biggest stage um, in Texas. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be up there. Uh, recent memory, Jaquindon Jackson uh, versus Demetrius Davis, Duncanville versus North Shore two times in a row w- was pretty big. Jaquindon missed the second game with a knee injury, so that kind of dampened that. But, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, these are, these are the top two, maybe the top three, two of the top three quarterbacks in the state uh, going for 2022. Quinn Ewers is – probably a generational talent. I mean, I, I, you listen to people talk about him. He's kind of Trevor Lawrence-esque as a recruit. People consider him kind of a can't-miss guy. Uh, and then Cade, uh, like everybody's mentioned, uh, just a really – he's just a gamer, uh, really accurate, uh, knows what to do with the football. Some of that's the scheme he's working in is a really good offensive scheme, has some weapons outside. Uh, but I think it is one of those things here in three, four, five years if both of these guys pan out the way we think they're going to at the college level. Uh, that we see, uh, we kind of look back and go, wow, it was, it was pretty amazing to have both of these guys go up against each other. And I know for Cade, I don't know if he'll say it out loud, I mean, but I, I think for sure he knows he's going into this game as uh, kind of the understudy to Quinn Ewers. Just like last week, he knew that North Shore and Demetrius Davis, the Auburn commit, was going to get a little bit more pub. I, I think that uh, they enjoy that uh, underdog role, and uh, it should be a really good offensive matchup because I would imagine both teams are able 
uh, to move the ball up and down the field. The interesting thing to me is South Lake Carroll's defense is not as good at, uh, not as good as Westlake's. So there is uh, a way for Cade and that Westlake offense to have more success than Quinn Ewers in that South Lake Carroll offense. Would you uh, advise Texas fans to be rooting for Cade or Quinn? Which one do you think Texas fans Texas has a better chance of landing? Obviously, uh, Quinn is committed to Ohio State. Former Texas commit who flipped. Uh, Cade has not made his announcement yet. But is Texas does Texas have a shot at either of these uh, quarterbacks? It'll be interesting. I, I know for a fact that uh, Steve Sarkeesian loves Quinn Ewers. I mean, again, he's a guy who had an offer from everywhere. He visited Alabama when Sark was still the offensive coordinator there over the summer. So uh, I would be really surprised if Sarkeesian hasn't already reached out to the Ewers family to kind of gauge the interest on, on getting back and board there. It'll be interesting on Cade. Cade, you know, I, I think – with a new coach coming in, you almost have to throw the offer list out the window because these coaches are going to need to go and do their own uh, reviews and their own film work and then extend their own offers. So I, I'm not really 100% sure uh, where the quarterback pecking order is beyond Quinn Ewers. I, I think a guy to keep an eye on, maybe Malik Murphy from out in California. Sarkeesian's a Californian guy. Uh, Malik had an offer from Texas and Alabama already. So it may not even be a state of Texas guy that Sark is going after here in this first class if he can't get Quinn Ewers on board. And if they're not as big of a fans of Cade and, uh, you know, maybe somebody else in the state that, that already has a Texas offer. Um, before we get out of here, I kind of want to do some, you know, random questions because all four of us have longstanding ties to the Texas high school football game. Um, me and Mike got in this business in 2007 uh, Rick was already well established on the prep speed when I when I joined the Statesman. Um, Thomas has been doing his thing, like you said, for 20 years now. So um, first question I have for you guys um, that I really can't answer, but you three can. What has it been like covering Texas high school football this season? It's the middle of January. and We're still talking about state championships. I mean, that's obviously one thing that's different. But Thomas, we'll start with you. What has it been like um, covering high school football this uh, this fall? Uh, you have to – you had to been able to adapt. I, I mean, from, from what I do, you know, a lot of games you're up in the stands. You don't have a power source for your computer. Um, maybe you have to sit in the end zone at a makeshift table so you don't really get to see the game that much. A lot of adaptability. May, you know, you, there's no room in the press box. You know, you're sitting up in the stands. You know, I, I brought out my stadium seat, you know, dusted that thing off. Um, much to my chagrin, I didn't gain free food. <laughs> thought about quitting because of that. Huh. Yeah. But it, 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 you had to have been able to adapt, and you had to respect the coaches and the teams for adapting as well. And, and, and to their credit, you know, they pulled it off. Um, for the most part, these teams pulled it off. The kids really sacrificed. The coaches sacrificed. And I know I'm speaking for Rick, and we appreciate that. It enabled us to have a season – it enabled the fans to have a season. Rick? Yeah, um, well, first of all, this is obviously the longest season we've ever had. I think uh, this is week 20 in a row of uh, because the small schools, as you know, started on time and the big schools started a month late. And uh, for me, it meant miss missing Christmas at home for the first time ever. So I'm going to take some PTO next week and uh, visit the family. Um, a little bit about what TJ was talking about. I actually watched every single game this year from the field. And it was one to get away from the press box because 
press boxes tend to be crowded at the high school level. So I got to watch every game from the ground, which gives you a different perspective. It's harder to see some things, but it's you feel like you're part of the game. And when the uh, Regents DB intercepted that pass in the tap state championship game and ran it all the way back, it was the most thrilling moment I'd ever seen a, a high school team feel when a play was going on, they were going crazy with this 70 yard return to win state. And that's something that you don't get in the press box. I mean, you can see it in the press box and you kind of feel about it, but I'm, I'm guessing if you were on the field when Vince Young scored that touchdown, it would have been different than being in the press box or watching on TV. But it's been gratifying in that so many local teams did well this year. I mean, I mean, Land passes two years in a row, really good team. LBJ goes to the state semifinals. Uh, look, look what Liberty Hill did. They were one play away from joining these other teams in, in the finals this week. So we had a good representation of Austin area football, uh, beating San Antonio like a, like a drum again. It was, uh, I, I kid my friends from San Antonio, uh, today, when are you guys ever going to show up? And they're just like, well, we can't beat those teams. We can't beat Westlake and Lake Travis and, and everybody else. But it's been a fun year. But in, in some ways, Danny, I'm glad it's going to be over this weekend. Yeah, we need uh, you, and, you and Rick to get some, uh, you and Thomas to both get some well-earned and deserved uh, time off these next couple weeks. I hope I don't see you guys in any staff meetings. Uh, Mike, uh, what has been the biggest difference from your angle? Um, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily writing gamers and stuff after, after the games, but you know, you're talking to a lot of people, um, having to you know, build relationships with coaches and recruits. How much has that changed uh, with the, with the pandemic? Yeah, I think it's been harder to get clearance as an out of town media. You know, you're not writing a gamer, so you shouldn't take up one of those, you know, crucial press credentials. And so I think it's just kind of understanding your place and, and uh, making sure the out-of-town places are cool with that and that there's plenty of press passes to go around. And, and like Rick said, uh, just kind of standing on the sideline and, and staying out of people's way. Um, I don't know if a much has changed on my end. Like you said, it's more individual stuff, not being able to go to as many practices and, and things of that nature. But as the season went on, it felt more and more normal, and that was really nice. And as Thomas said, it was, it was great, I believe, for everybody, fans, players, coaches, media. Um, to have the distraction and have football back at, in whatever possible way we could have it this year. And uh, for the most part, I think all the school districts around the state did as good a job as you could under these circumstances. Now, I still remember the first ever state championship game I covered. It was Katie versus Pflugerville in 2007. It's at the Alamo Dome, which is probably the place I hate the most in the entire, entire state. But um, that's the first, uh, first for me. Um, We've all seen, I don't know if we want to count them all together and try to figure out the number, but we've all seen plenty of state championship games. For whatever reason, Mike is the crazy guy that likes to go see all 10 state championship games every year, including when they're all in a three-day span, which is just marathon, marathon coverage right there. But we'll start with Thomas and go Rick, then Mike. Um, what is the best ever state championship game you recall seeing um, during your time working here in Texas? I'm going to just count the ones I covered because as a fan, the Hail Mary win by Duncanville over North Shore a couple of years ago, is it's hard to top that. Um, 
Games I covered when Trinity beat an underdog Westlake team in 09, 41-38 in overtime. That was, um, that was really exciting. That may have been the best game I saw. Powerhouse Trinity squad, massive offensive line. They just wore Westlake down, but Tanner Price, in my opinion, an underrated quarterback from Westlake, had a great game, and um, that was in your, in, in your favorite place, too, at the Alamo Dome. You would have loved it. Westlake fans still don't want to talk about that uh, that that push off in, in overtime. Although I, I think uh, Trinity would have won regardless, even if that play was called. Uh, Rick, what, what about you? It wasn't really that good a game, but it was confirmation that the Lake Travis team of I believe it was 2016 might have been the best team I've ever seen at the high school level. Can't remember if it was 12 or 13, 14 D1 commits, and they played a good the Woodlands team, and they stomped them. And it wasn't just because the Woodlands wasn't a good team. It was because think of all the great players that emerged from that Lake Travis team that are, are making big-time plays in, in, at, the, at the college level right now. So I'm going to go with that team. Uh, it just seems like there hasn't been nail-biters every time that, uh, like last, last year, I saw Westlake win 24 to nothing. And it was like when most of the Lake Travis wins were, were blowouts and uh, uh, a great game. The best game I've seen this year uh, was actually when Regents won on the final play of the Taps State D2 championships with a 69-yard interception return for a touchdown on the game's final play. Uh, it was an incredible scene, not seen by many, but there were a lot of Regents fans there, and I'll, I'll remember that just because of the joy on the faces of the Regents players when it was over. Yeah, I wish um, that Lake Travis team you, you talked about, that 16 Cavaliers team, could have, we could have taken that entire team, transported them back a year to play the KD team that had murdered them the year before in the state championship game because that KD team was pretty incredible and had those teams go head-to-head because that would have been a, a fun power, powerhouse uh, team. seemed like Katie just caught that Lake Travis team a year too early. Uh, Mike, what, what about you, the 4,000 state championship games you've seen? Which one stands out to you? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think 2018, Galena Park, North Shore versus Duncanville, the Hail Mary at the end, two 6A Division One teams. Uh, I, I, it's going to be hard for that to be beat, I think, for the rest of my life. I mean, that, that, was, that was one of the best football games I've ever seen in my life, much less for those amount of stakes and uh, all the fans in there. I think that was 2018. Uh, and then uh, honorable mention, I think, for me would be Navasota-Argyle in 2014. There was a lot of good games. That was that Cedar Park-Innis uh, day as well. There was like three games in a row that were just freakishly awesome. But Navasota-Argyle went to double overtime. Tredavian Dixon had like a million yards receiving. It was one of the greatest uh, individual performances I'd ever ever seen. So between those two, uh, take your pick. I'll probably lead, lean towards North Shore Duncanville just because it was 6A Division One, And it just had – I mean, I think it, when we look back in three or four years, out of the 22 starters, 19 of them are going to be playing Division One football. Uh, my, um, my pick would be the uh, Cedar Park Annex game that uh, Mike just alluded to. Um, I believe that was 2014. Um, Cedar Park had that game wrapped up had some questionable coaching decisions down the stretch and just came back, had a beautiful uh, long touchdown pass. And that was all, all, all she wrote. And Ennis came home as champions and, you know, Cedar Park rebounded and won a state title the next year, but 
Um, there was definitely a lot of broken hearts for the Timberwolves uh, that night in Arlington. Um, I kind of know Rick's answer to my next question because he just uh, just said it. But of all the Central Texas champions we've had, um, who is the greatest team this, this uh, area has ever produced? So we're just talking Centex. Um, you can kind of interpret that as, as you will as far as how much of the coverage area we're counting here. But uh, Thomas, who's your pick for the area's greatest team? Well, I'm going to agree with Rick that 2016 Lake Travis team was awesome. I mean, not only did they have more, you know, I think 14, 15 next level guys, they had two pros on that team. Brendan Jaime's offensive lineman still with Nebraska will be in the NFL next year. And Garrett Wilson, the sophomore receiver for Ohio State, will be in the NFL. But they lost one game. That's the only thing that prevents them from being at the top of the list. Look, the 1968 Reagan team. Now, people don't remember Reagan in the late 60s, early 70s. They went to five championship games and won three state titles. The 1968 Reagan team gave up, I think, 51 points in 15 games. They went undefeated. And they beat a super tough Odessa Permian team in the in the title game. I think '68 Reagan's the best team Austin has seen. Do you have anything to add to your argument for the '16 Lake Travis team? Uh, well, I I kind of gave my answer away in the last question, but I will say this about last year, Westlake. Uh, they won the D2 state championship, and the argument was, well, if they had played D1, maybe they wouldn't have won. But you you, you get judged by who you play. I mean, they can't, you know, it's not their fault that the teams that they played weren't on their level. But the fact that they won as easily as they did, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it was something like 175 to 20, you know, the six opponents that they played. Um, it wasn't even, in fact, I think they may have scored more than 200. And to win 24 to nothing in the state championship game, you don't see shutouts in the state championship very, very often. So at the time, I remember thinking, this is one of the best teams I've ever seen, this Westlake team. But it's going to be different this year. <laughs> I think if they win, <clears throat> this will go down as a much better team than last year just because of the, the D1 angle. Um I mean, the game that I saw them play the other day against North Shore, Galena Park has got some amazing football players. And for them to go head with, head with them and only allow 21 points when this team was averaging more than 50 says a lot about the Westlake defense and the Westlake team as a whole. So last year uh, and the Lake Travis team from 2016, probably the two best I've seen. Mike, your pick? Yeah, I, mean, I think I'm with Rick here. Um, I mean, I I can't really speak to those Reagan teams other than just kind of what the numbers say and just the lore of them or whatever. But that 2016 Lake Travis team was was off the charts, and I, I kind of agree. If if this 2020 team goes in there and beats South Lake Carroll, uh, specifically if it beats them the way it's been beating other teams by just like suffocating their offense, I think you got to start talking about this Westlake team. If they win, they're going to be Demetrius. Davis and Galena Park North Shore, two-time defending uh, state title uh, champions. Uh, Quinn Ewers, like we talked about, probably going to be a future NFL uh, first-round draft pick at quarterback. I think it's one of those, especially with everything that's go- gone on with the pandemic and all the different adversity obstacles uh, that this team has had to do, and everybody else too, but just to be this perfect, to be this dominate, dominant on defense and to do it against the level of competition that they're doing it against, 
I, I think uh, recency bias may be the, the cause here, but I really do think in a couple of years, if we were asked this question again, uh, this 2020 Westlake team would have to be in the top two or three of, of recent memory. I didn't cover the 16 Lake Travis team, so um, I'm going to keep my, my love towards the 2008 Lake Travis team, which was Garrett Gilbert's senior year. And uh, granted, they were 4A and not um, – 5A, which is now 6A, as that team was a couple years ago with um, Charlie Brewerly in the way. But, you know, Garrett's squad, just that was a year after they won their first state title, and they were not losing. Um, and it was clear from game one that they were not losing that year, and they pretty much destroyed everyone on, on their way to uh, another state championship with uh, Chad Morris in his first year with the team. Um, we're going to go old school. i got to give some love to the Anderson Yellow Jackets, um, some of their PBIL championship teams um their 1942 team um i remember doing a story on them and austin hyde also won a state championship that year and it's a real shame that you know racism existed or else we could have uh, had a real fun game between anderson and austin hyde to see who was actually the best team in the state because they both won state titles that, that year and they couldn't play each other to kind of determine who gets the ultimate bragging rights but um get some luck to the yellow jackets because i know that uh you know they have some very um adamant alums uh, um, among them who will insist that some of their teams deserve to be in this conversation as uh, when Thomas did his project earlier this year about the top, um, you know, football players that have ever been, or I guess it was this school year as a published slot at, um, in 2020. Um, you know, there are some yellow jackets that dotted that list, including the night train lane. So uh, lots of, lots of talent coming from old Anderson high. Don't forget those 96 shaps with the guy named Drew Brees. Uh, who, who, yeah, he was all right. Who, who's it's the only undefeated Westlake team to win a championship as of, you know, January 13th, 2021. We'll, we'll, ch we'll check back with you on that one. But uh, <laughs> that is going to do it for us. You know, I really appreciate Rick and Thomas for jumping on um, with us today. Uh, if you want to follow their work, they'll be covering the state championship games this weekend. Um, Thomas on Twitter at Thomas Jones AAS. Rick is at Ricky Prep. Um, check out statesman.com on Saturday to find out what happened in the Cedar Park game and on Sunday to see what happened with the uh, Westlake game on Saturday. Mike, you'll be um, doing his uh, his um, recruiting updates. He's also going to be covering the other two state championship games for us that Rick and Thomas were not at. But be sure to check out hookham.com for his work, his dotted line column, including on Wednesday, which has kind of a rundown of all the Texas targets and recruits that uh, Longhorn fans need to be paying attention to this week. But that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. And, you know, this is the last week of football for, for a couple months. So go out and enjoy it, and uh, we will talk to you guys later.